Well, hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family. With trip planning, money-saving tips, and funny stories, we are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps you with yours. Tips, jokes, stories, and overall fun for your ears to enjoy. Now here's our host, World Travel Dad. Welcome in. You found the World Travel Dad Show. I'm your host, James Olson, a.k.a. The World Travel Dad. Today is our last episode from Spain. This is my last episode I'll be recording from the road. When I get back to the U.S., I'll keep this show going, of course, and we'll be talking about a lot of travel-oriented topics, but today we're focused on Spain. And first part of the show, I'm going to do my final thoughts on this wonderful country. It's been an amazing month. I love Spain. I I didn't realize I'd like it so much, frankly. And I'm going to specifically talk about Mallorca because that's where we spent the last couple of weeks. And the second part of the show, I have my do's and don'ts segment specifically on Mallorca. So that will be fun. And if you're thinking about a trip to Mallorca, I'll have some helpful information from the ground. I had never been to this place before. And I'm sure I'll be back. It's amazing. No duh. You know, people always talk about it. There's a reason people do. And Spain in general is fantastic. And I can't wait to talk about it in our last Spain episode. So thanks so much for joining us. I can't believe it. I have one week left of this trip. I took 14 months with my family. It was crazy. And it's been it's been amazing. This this final stop is uh, Spain. We've been here for a month, and it's terrific. I you know I always say we're we're homesick, but we're not ready to leave yet. But we might be ready to leave. I think everyone's kind of kind of gassed, kind of tired. Uh, but I I am I'm gonna miss being on the road, being in in Europe, especially. It's the place that first got me interested in traveling and the the world's smallest violin is playing now as I have to return to my cubicle. I will say that I thought after 20 years of not being traveling in Europe, I mean, I had taken some trips, um, but 20 years since I did kind of the backpacking thing, I thought maybe I've grown out of Europe. You know, maybe that's a thing for kids. Well, how wrong I was because uh, I think I think I like Europe even more because once once you get over forty and you start like listening to classical music and you start enjoying art and you start eating cantaloupe, you know that's that kind of stuff. Europe does that so well, and so you kind of you have this new appreciation for Europe. And Spain in general, one thing I will take away is that I went to two museums while I was in Spain. Uh, we're, we're not done with our trip yet. There is a, there's a couple, there's one in downtown Palma, Mallorca. I, I may visit it, but I don't know. If I don't, it's not going to be a problem. But I went to the Salvador Dali Museum in northern Spain. I went to the art museum in 
Valencia. And if you listen to the Valencia episode, I talked about it, um, I think. And it's, if I didn't, um, I'll mention it now. It's, it's a, a reason to, st- to go to Valencia for a few days. If you, if you have a Spain itinerary and you're trying to work out how to allot your days, um, Valencia is really terrific. Uh, it's such a good value proposition. It's kind of still off of the tourist trail, but it it's the third largest city in Spain. It's a beautiful downtown. We thought it was just so cute. I love cute stuff. I mean, that's, I'm all about cute old towns, architecture. It's a thousand-year-old town. And the art museum was free, and it was terrific. I'm still thinking about it. There's a local painter named Sorolla who they had an exhibit for him, and he does these oil on canvas, does a lot of beach stuff, obviously. There are beaches all over the place here. And these are phenomenal paintings. And it was a great exhibit, and it was free. And the people weren't snooty when we went in there. They were, they were so nice. And I will say, that's the first thing I want to talk about. Um, uh, in terms of what I will take away from Spain, it's the people. The people have been very respectful. I'm not saying that in other parts of where we've been and other countries, we haven't been shown respect, you know, except for maybe France, you know, they're, they're always kind of jerks, but, um, Spain, the people have just, they've been respectful. It's like, they're not, they're not bending over backwards to like make you happy. Uh, I don't like that anyway. Nobody who likes that if it's fake, um, they're not, you know, they people can kind of tell we're Americans, but when we start talking, like the gigs up, they you they know you're from the states, but they're not treating you poorly. They're showing you a level of respect that they would show anyone. And for me, like coming from the states, that's important. We so often I feel like people look at us with a little bit of disdain, almost. It's like, what did we, what do we ever do wrong? You know, the whole World War II thing. I thought we did a pretty good job. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole nother thing. I, you know, there's a lot of history of Spain with, they had their own civil war, which was more intense, I think, than I gave it credit for. I think I was under the impression it was maybe not such a huge deal, but, uh, there's Guernica. That was the major, uh, bombing incident where, um, Franco uh, bombed his own people and that that was kind of a that sparked off uh, you know the fact that um, the people couldn't stand for it anymore and they fought this bloody civil war and they won their freedom and Spain is a, a western European nation that has just such a deep history and such a proud culture and i I guess embarrassingly, I just didn't expect to enjoy it that much. And that's what happens, though. Once you get to a country, it's like everywhere we go, I'm just like blown away by learning about the people, the culture. Um, I mean, that's why I do this show. That's why I have tried to do a podcast everywhere we went, just to put it down on, on tape that, you know, what we saw... And uh, so, so the people are terrific. Um, it's a wonderful sort of Western European nation. 
I said it a couple episodes ago. Um, I love Turkey. We were there for so long. Uh, but I always felt a little bit restricted there um, because of the authoritarian regime that governs the place. Just a bit. And it's unfortunate. But you don't get that. When you get back to Western Europe, these are um, these liberal ideals of democracy and they should be protected and uh and 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 more from you know better or worse spain is doing a good job of that so uh the other thing uh that kind of sticks out in my mind is the um the heat it's a sun drenched country and so that's good and bad it suits me i i like heat i mean i'm i think i i'm not one of these people that's impervious to like some super hot day when I've been in 117 degree heat out in Henderson, Nevada, I'm not going to say it was, uh, comfortable. Uh, my wife grew up in Phoenix. That's like living on like Mars. It's insane. And I think she's ultra sensitive because of that fact. I mean, I grew up in like sheltered Boulder, Colorado, and if it got above 90, that was somewhat rare. And you could just hop in the Boulder Creek and cool off, you know, get your tube ready and, and tube down the Boulder Creek. And then most other times of the year, it was, it was beautiful. So maybe that's part of it. But I, heat doesn't always bother me. And I, and, and I think there's some really good positive elements. I mean, we talked about the wine. The wine's this ultra strong, deep red wine from, from all that sun that the grapes get. Just high levels of alcohol, so you got to be careful, but... Just a tasty wine seems to go with everything. Seems to be very affordably priced, good value proposition. Uh, we can't. We're running these experiments where we'll get like a six euro bottle and thing, pretty darn good. You know, six euros. Come on, and it's a it's a strong wine that that you're not going to embarrass yourself pulling that out. You know, with your with your dinner. But on the heat element, if you're looking to come to Spain, maybe. Think about off season a little bit, not not heat of the summer. Um, if you can, yeah, I think you could really do some damage in like an April or something. You're not going to get the beach stuff. I mean, the water's going to be too cold. Um, but if you want to do the the art scene, the food, and enjoy the city in a much more comfortable setting, think off season. You probably get some great deals too. Okay, now uh, a couple thoughts on Mallorca. Because that's the island where we are. It's the Balearic Islands. Uh, it includes the notable Ibiza. Everybody's heard of that. That's the party island. That's not really for me. I, I've heard that it's like $25 for an orange juice out there. And you know I can't do that kind of thing. I can't I can't pay an exorbitant fee for stuff. If, you, if you're the kind of person that's like, yeah, I can afford it, cool. If that's you... Uh, I don't know what to do with you. You would not want to hang out with me because I just, I won't do it. That's just not like, I need, I need a reasonable value. I kind of like to gravitate more toward like local places. I mean, I, I'm kind of a normal person, I think. I'm kind of weird, but uh, my orca gives you that kind of value it's like the it's it's the locals vacation area plus you know a lot of europeans come here tons of germans lots of french dutch 
uh, they know what they're doing. They, they treat this place a little bit like it's their Mexico, kind of like their Cancun. And, um, but it's, but it's not a, it's not a ripoff. I mean, we haven't been ripped off anywhere. And how, how often do you get a popular vacation spot where they're not trying to gouge the heck out of you? And so hats off to Mallorca. I think there are some other small islands like, um, Min, Minorca, Menorca, a couple other orcas, and then Ibiza, which I'll pass. I don't, I don't need to stay out all night and then like do a morning club from like eight to noon and sit on a couch. Um, and if I have to pay $25 for my orange juice, no way. But Mallorca offers you that, that escape. And it's, it's not as quaint though as like a small town France. It's, there's something about it where it's not quite as cute as I was thinking it would be. And that's not really a knock. I just want to be honest about it. You know, if you haven't been here and you're thinking about it, um, the little, there are some like hidden gems. A bunch of these hill towns are cute. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk a lot about my orca, um, after the break. Uh, so we'll get into that, but that, that is a kind of lasting impression that I had. It's just not quite breaking the cute meter. Like every little small town in France did for some reason. Um, so I don't know. I was going to talk about the specific um, food items, but I'm going to do that after the break. But I, I in general, um, I, I'm such a food guy. I'm, I'm, I'm just a disaster zone. I, I love food. I love thinking about it. I have dreams about it. And Spanish food is amazing. I, I, I think I, this is one where I'm not shocked. I, I knew I would love it. I came in with the right attitude. We're going to talk about some food in one of the do's and don'ts after the uh, break. We'll be right back. Let's get back to this thing I'm calling a show. So as I said at the top of the show here, this is the last on-location podcast I will be recording for, uh, from our trip. I'm in Mallorca. I'm going to structure the show going forward uh, as a weekly show, I think, and we'll have a lot of fun things to talk about and um, a lot of good throwback shows and a lot of fun things. So I hope you continue to listen. And I thank you for listening uh, thus far. But without further ado, this is the final uh, do's and don'ts. Of course, I've been doing these on location. Once I've been in a place long enough to feel like I have something to add, uh, I, I create lists of things you should do and things that you should not. Okay, the number one do is uh, enroll in the siesta plan, okay? This is, you know about the siesta plan. This is the the infamous siesta plan for Americans. I mean, we don't, we just don't see eye to eye with the siesta plan. So what is it? What's the siesta plan? Well, during the middle of the day, you basically call it quits. Uh, shutter, if you own a shop, you, you put those shutters up. You, you shut her down. You close. 
and you go do something else. And maybe that's like, go home, sit in the shade, go sit in the air conditioning, but go do something for a few hours. Now in the States, once you like close your shop, you're not opening back up. What are you going to like shut the lights off and like then come back in like a few hours later? Uh, no, no, not, not in the States. You, when you come in, you open the shop in the morning, you close there at night and that's it. That's a day's work. You're going home. Um, there, there's no like you're in or out. You're not, you're not stepping out of the work environment and then coming back later. Well, in Europe and especially Spain, they do the siesta plan. And, uh, in Spain, the siesta, uh, kind of starts around like one thirty. I think we were trying to like measure, you know, is there any like rhyme or reason to this thing? Well, it doesn't start at noon. That, that's for sure. Um, so you can still find some stores open at noon. Our best estimate was right around one, one thirty in the afternoon. It's 1330 on the military clock. I think. It always takes me a minute to like think about that. Um, and that was our best estimate for when these when, when you're going to find some shuttered shops. Um, and then a lot of times they weren't opening back up till five. So if you found yourself in that dead spot in the afternoon, I mean, I think in Valencia, our favorite wine store was two o'clock. They'd shut down at two and then they'd open back up at five. But there's a three hour like panic session you know how am i gonna uh how am i gonna get this monastrel grape wine that i love so much how am i gonna get that cool crianza um you know during this three-hour stretch so plan for that definitely plan for it and uh but enjoy the siesta plan because if you um if you embrace it i mean that's a that's a fun little day you got planned you Get, get kind of busy in the morning. That's fine. Get up, do your stuff. And then you get to like shut her down for like three or four hours and, uh, and get excited, like build up some excitement for the evening. Cause the evening is a, a big deal. We'll definitely talk about that. Okay. With the, with the siesta plan though, comes a, a, a later day. It's like you, you hit pause in the day. So whereas in the U S you know, you're going to shut your day down at nine after dinner, you know, shut the lights out you know why why stay up later you know you, you did a full day of work uh but in spain you know you, you shut down and then you open back up at five so that pushes everything back you know you're gonna have a late lunch we, in, in valencia especially we saw people eating lunch like three three thirty and and that's fine you know uh you end up eating an extra meal, I think, is what happens. Because in the U.S., you, you eat every four hours, pretty much. I mean, that's just how we do it, um, unless you're weird. But usual, normal Americans are like, breakfast is at 7, lunch at 11.30, 12, or whatever. you got to stretch it till 12. It's kind of weird. I used to eat lunch way too early. but And then, you know, you're you're going to be hungry for dinner by five or six. I mean, you just are, I mean, that's how it is. And, and then that's it. Then you shut her down. But on the siesta schedule, you're going to push your lunch back. Um, probably push your breakfast back. And then you're going to eat lunch around two 30. That's going to feel weird as an American. You're like, what is this? Is this like kind of a dinner or what am I doing? Why am I in a restaurant at three? 
It just doesn't feel right. It feels very strange. But here's the key. Don't be a hero. Don't try to go from 3 o'clock to your, like, 9.30 dinner. That's six hours. It's not going to work. Don't be a hero. They have tapas. You can always drop in at any hour of the day at one of these tapa bars at, like, 5.30. And that, frankly, is how we do our dinners. Uh, we have young kids. We're not doing the late dinner thing at 10.30. But that's a fun thing if you want to, as an adult, what a cool thing to, like, have a dinner to look forward to at 10.30. I mean, that's like, you know, it's like playing hooky at school. I mean, you, you should be you should be shutting down and you're getting ready for a big meal. So it's awesome. But don't be a hero. Do the top of thing. Uh, try vermouth when you when you go in there. Trust me, they're they're great. All right. The next uh, do is uh, this is a Mallorca specific do. You have to rent a car while you're here. I don't see any other way. Um, I don't know if guidebooks are clear on this, but you absolutely have to rent a car. Um, we showed up here without a car, and we quickly realized, like, how is this going to work? There are so many little places to explore. This is not a gigantic island. You can drive from one end to the other in an hour. And the magic of, of Mallorca, if you will, are all these, like, little spots. So the fun part is trying to plan where to go. The easy part is just go get the car. Uh, we were here for two weeks and we only rented for three days. So we made, we made the most out of the three days. We just, I just dropped the car off this morning. It was unbelievable. The last three days, um, the beaches we visited, um, they're amazing. Uh, I, um, I'm not going to like recommend them or link to them or anything. I mean, for one thing, it's, it's in Catalan, the language, and I don't know how to pronounce these beaches. So I'm not going to link to them in the show notes either. But if you follow my wife on Instagram, um, she's going to do some posts on them. And, uh, she's at some wonder travel.com. Um, some wonder travel, uh, that there's no, nothing about the name of that. Um, some wonder was just, we did use this automatic name generator and that's what they spit out. So in case you're wondering, but she's doing posts on these beaches. They were unbelievable. On that note, the next don't, uh, don't expect to have a lot of room on these beaches in the height of summer. Um, I was a bit naive. I didn't think it'd be as crowded as it was. I mean, the first one we went to a few days ago, wasn't bad, but then every beach after that was really crowded. Uh, uh, Miro beach is a very popular one. That was, that was the least, that was where you had the most space, but it's kind of the least characteristic, but it's still beautiful. Um, but you're going to be knocking elbows with people trying to get a space. I mean, we got in a little scuffle yesterday with some, some ladies. We blocked their view of the ocean with our chairs and that one got kind of heated and, uh, we, we worked it out diplomatically but um, you're you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be crowded. Don't don't worry about that. Don't let it deter you. The minute you see like a billion people on the beach, you're like, oh my god, this is a t- a bad idea. You know, I'm used to the, the when we were in Turkey, like we had a lot of beaches to ourselves. It's early season still, but now I'm in the height of summer here in Spain, and this, you know, this is what uh, this is what a crowded beach looks like, man. I. Wow, it, it uh, it's intimidating, but it was fine. We had a great time. 
uh, don't worry about it. Okay, moving along. Um, on these beaches, you should uh, try to snorkel. Um, w- this was the clearest water we saw on our trip. <clears throat> the most beautiful water. Lots of fish species. Not the amount of coral reefs as in Southeast Asia, but uh, the type of clear water and fish viewing that was just great for uh, for me. I'm an old snorkel head. I have been forever. Um, and, uh, my daughter loves it. She loves to, uh, look at the fish and we spent like three hours yesterday, just kind of like messing around near these like, uh, protected rocks around the side of this cove. And these fish were just, uh, like word got around that we were, we were kind of like looking for them and they all kind of showed up and we saw a lot of really cool fish. I didn't really expect that to happen but these are definitely snorkel spots and that just highlights you know the quality of the water and the, these beaches were just unbelievable uh sorry turkey uh Mallorca, best beaches of the trip uh feel terrible but i they're just they're amazing and they're all over Mallorca. so uh bring the snorkel if you have one okay don't um don't come to Spain thinking that you're going to be, and this goes with the siesta thing. Don't come to Spain thinking that you're going to be too active or too productive during the middle of the day. And for that matter, like that you're going to get anything done on a Sunday or even a Monday uh, or a Friday afternoon. I mean, there's so many like dead periods to productivity. Um, so if you're one of those like busy bodies and you're go, 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 and you've got all this stuff on your list and you're just going to be frustrated and I don't have any sympathy for you because you know what you're getting into. There, there are many times where things are closed here that just make zero sense. Um, coming from the U S I can't imagine how you would do that, how you would close down your business so much. It, the, the, the math doesn't make sense to me. Um, not with how our commercial real estate leases work. And in Spain, however, and I, I think this was actually kind of delightful. I mean, the idea that you just are shutting your business down and you're only opening for like these few hours a week. I mean, I don't know. I kind of liked it. It never has really bothered me. But if you're somebody that gets bothered by that, I mean, be forewarned. You're, you're going to have a lot of dead time in your in your schedule, especially during the middle of the day and Sundays, and Mondays, and Fridays, and uh, definitely middle of the day on any day. All right, we're getting to the end here. I'm going a little bit long on these. Um, here's another do. This one's really important. If you uh, if you like pork, pork products, uh, Spain and Mallorca, this is the paradise of pork. It's the panoply of pig, the heaven of ham, the oasis of oink, the 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 type of like I'm not a gigantic ham person or like prosciutto guy, but th- this has just been amazing. I mean, we were just having this. My my son and I do this hembra hamon. There's the serrano. That's a famous one. You've probably seen that. And then the the champagne of of uh, hamon. The sam the champagne of pig is the iberico. Okay, this. This is the stuff. The, the Iberico is expensive, 
but you've got to treat yourself to it. You should be eating, if you like ham, you should be eating it with every meal. And I'm talking like breakfast, snack. It's unbelievable. Take advantage of it while you're here. They, they do it like no other. I've never had ham like this. And I'm just not a ham guy, but now maybe I am. Um, and then here's like a particular thing. If you're out at restaurants, don't, don't feel the need to tip. Um, I know that sounds weird. I mean, um, people just aren't tipping a lot and that's been kind of like a theme throughout our trip, but it's not like in the U S if you don't tip, I mean, you're, you're going to get reported to the like authorities or something like it's, it's a bad, it's like a crime. And in Europe, they're like, Oh, uh, we're not, they're not expecting a tip. I tell you one thing I do. Um, I'll tip 10%. I've been doing that quite a bit. It's like nothing. If you're an American, 10%, you, you're, you feel like you're getting away with something. And, um, the, the people in Spain have been appreciative when I've done it. It's only a few euros here, here, there, and it's not going to change anyone's day, but a place that we go a lot. And I want them to know that I appreciate them for, for like working and being there. Like in today's day and age, if I can get a good restaurant, like I ate at last night, um, you know, I'm going to go back there. I'm going to throw the, you know, 10% few euros to them. You have to tell them when they bring the machine over that you just round up and tell them the amount that you want to tip. And they're always appreciative and it's not awkward, but if you don't do it, they're not expecting it. They already have the number punched in that they think you're going to pay. So they're not like sitting there waiting. Like I was in Sorrento one night and the, and the waiter kind of like strong armed me into a tip. And you think I went back to that restaurant? Absolutely not. But these places in Mallorca, I appreciate them. I, I love our wait staff, and uh, I'll probably go back tonight. And uh, everything they do is amazing, and I want to show my appreciation. A few euros goes a long way, but don't feel the need to tip. Okay, here's one that is kind of like a little bit personal to me. I'm kind of strange. I I didn't take Spanish in high school, but... Um, and I, I've been to Mexico a lot. I never really felt the need to try to learn Spanish, but now I think it's really embarrassing that I don't know it and I'm really going to try to learn it. And I think what you should do is dust off that old, uh, Spanish. Um, if you know, if you took it in high school, um, try again. And if you, if you speak quite a bit of it, um, well, that's great. I mean, you're going to be able to use it here in Spain. They're, they're going to, they allow you to try and they're not judgmental like the French. They're not going to pretend that they don't understand you. Um, they're going to try to understand you like a normal human would. Um, I know I bash on the French all the time. Fr- Fr- I love France. It was so much fun, but I digress. Um, yeah. So they'll, they'll give you the English menu when you're clearly a northerner, but um, it's not because they're trying to offend you. And what I do sometimes is I'll grab the Spanish one too, because here, here's one thing to think about the trans, they translate it, um, literally, uh, for the English menu. And a lot of these dishes, they have a very specific hundred, you know, 300 year old name for the dish. <clears throat> I'll talk about those on the final one, but, um, these, the names of these dishes are very specific. You can't just translate them. They're going to translate weird. You're not going to quite understand it. So, um, get the Spanish menu as well. So you can take a look and practice your Spanish. And, uh, it's really fun. Uh, they'll, 
they'll uh, humor you and everybody has allowed us to try our Spanish and it's so cool and they're not annoyed by it and it's, it's great. Um, and so, um, my advice, you know, I, I like to take the Spanish menu and just try to fight through it and just try to figure it out and learn some of these, uh, these local favorites are great. That's why you're traveling. You know, you're, you're not traveling to, to feel like you're back at home, right? I mean, that's what we do. So the final don't is, you know, don't skip these local favorites when you're on the menu. Uh, and I'll mention some of them here. Um, you, you came here to experience what they've been doing well for hundreds of years. So, you know, get the ham, get the Serrano, get the Iberico ham, Try this thing, and if you're in Catalonia, um, if you're ever in, like, Barcelona, if you're in Mallorca, anywhere in Catalonia, uh, is Pam Ali. Pam Ali is, like, bread with olive oil, tomatoes. They'll put ham on it. Uh, Pan Cristal. It's another bread one with, with tomatoes. Uh, Cocos. Um, these, this is a kind of a Puebla bread. It's, like, more of a village hard bread. Um but they'll put a lot of uh, uh, pickled and stewed vegetables on there. A lot of those were vegetarians. So that's kind of cool. You know, if you're if you don't eat meat, you're you're gonna have plenty. Um, traditional tortillas, which are like um, almost like a quiche with tomatoes, um, with boiled tomato. Uh, sorry, potatoes um, and different cheeses. There's a famous cheese from the island of Menorca here. It's good. Uh, there's Cabra cheese, goat cheese, that's been one of my favorites. Uh, the cheese is great, and you can get it in these uh, tortillas, these pies. Um, of course, I talked at length about the pinchos, and these are the uh, Basque. These are That's way up north. That's a different area than Catalonia, but if you're in Valencia, you're going to get a lot of pinchos. But it, uh, the Catalonian uh, dishes here... Are terrific if you're if you're in Catalonia. So try all the local stuff. Um, ask the waiter or waitress, you know, what is it? They'll show you a picture. We did that last night and and just got the most amazing artichoke. Uh, I've had some great sausage here, some fennel sausage. Of course, the wines. Um, they have they have their own wine here on Mallorca. It's terrific. Uh, drink of vermouth in the afternoon. I mean, I'm as shocked as you are. Trust me, the vermouth on on the rocks—you'll you'll start getting into it. So, don't uh, don't skip the local stuff. Don't just go for what's comfortable. Oh, croquettes—the croquettes here are great. Bacalao, which is cod. I mean, even my picky daughter's eating that uh, bacalao croquette. So, enjoy. I hope you uh, like these local favorites as much as I do. This is World Travel Dad. Let's face it, when I'm on the road, I get ripped off a lot, and I'm constantly making a fool of myself. But I'd like to share those moments with you, because maybe it'll help you avoid a similar fate, or maybe you can just make fun of me. Fortunately, I've had so much practice traveling now that I'm getting pretty good at it, not to hurt my shoulder patting myself on the back or anything, but the uh, there is plenty I could pull from to, to tell you about some embarrassing moments. So I thought I would do a flashback 
Thought I'd go back to this town in Vietnam we were in back in uh, February. It's called Sapa. It's a town in extreme northern Vietnam. It's right uh, next to the border with China. <clears throat> so that's fun. That's a really exotic place. It's really difficult to get there. But I think I can probably recommend it. Uh, my wife loved it. She wants to go back. I, uh, for me, it was just it was so hard to get to. I, it's hard to justify it, but it was really cool. But there's one thing you can do is you can do these kind of hikes through the woods, basically. And it rains all the time up there. It's like perpetually kind of cloudy and, and up in this like clouded forest. And so it, it, it had been raining and everyone kind of knew that. And uh, so you wear these uh, these rubber boots. They're kind of cheaply made rubber boots, but everyone's wearing them. The local village women were wearing them. And um, we started out on a trek. We we had a local Hmong uh, woman uh, guiding us, and you, you pay money to their village. And they expect at the end that you'll buy a bunch of trinkets from them and their, their friends. And that was kind of... That that was off-putting, to be frank, and I don't need to talk about that here. That was kind of a shocker at the end. But during the trek, I mean, they're very nice. Um, I had uh, a separate Hmong woman that joined the trek, and we thought, you know, she's just trying to be nice, wants to hang out. She's walking down to the village with us. Well, she was trying to sell trinkets too, but nonetheless, um, I prior to the hike, I had looked throughout the entire town of Sapa, and I have. I have big feet, okay? I have big feet for, like, an American. And I guess um, we have bigger feet than uh, the Vietnamese. And so, uh, you know, suffice it to say, I could not, I couldn't find a size of rubber boots um, in my size in our hotel. And then I went out to try to buy them in every store in town, and nobody had my size. So I couldn't, I couldn't do this two and a half hour trek with my toes crunched up in the end of these rubber boots. So I ended up just having to hike in my favorite Nike jogging shoes, um, on a muddy day and things started out. Okay. You know, I, I like I can handle this. It was, wasn't that bad, but then you start doing these like switchbacks, uh, and it's completely muddy. It's even like kind of dangerous at some points. And so, when I had started, I was trying to keep the mud off my shoes, but I just, you know, I had to let it go. I had to save myself. And meanwhile, my kids and wife are laughing at me because they have the cool rubber boots that grip the ground, and I didn't. And I barely had a stick, so I'm slipping all over the place. I almost fell twice, but, you know, I'm still athletic enough to kind of catch myself. It, it probably didn't look great, but I didn't care at that point. I was, I was trying to not end up in a pile of mud. Uh, so we get to the end of this this uh, two and a half hour trek down the side of this muddy mountain, and my shoes were they were toast. Uh, uh, my Nike, my favorite Nike running shoes, they had they had been running all over Scandinavia, England, you know, uh, Thailand, Bali. I mean, I had these, you know, we had such a good relationship. They knew what to expect from me. I knew what to expect from them. They were they were just toast. There's no way to clean them off, and so I had to throw them out. And uh, fortunately, uh, in Vietnam, they manufacture so many goods. They're terrific at it, and they're cheap. And so I got a new pair of Nikes, 
that I've already kind of beaten into the ground trying to jog a lot, but nothing like the old ones. And uh, I did shed a tear, and it just I I'm up at night thinking maybe I could have just worn the really small rubber boots, but I I just think that would have really hurt my feet. So you know whatever. But fortunately, um, if that's the extent of of bloopers on this trip, then. At least I'm doing something right. I want to personally thank you for listening to this show. Without you, the audience, I wouldn't even be able to do this. Now, I wanted to ask you to do me one personal favor. If you could go to the show notes on your smartphone, if you could hit subscribe and give me a five-star review, I would love that. Unfortunately, a three or a four-star review, though honest, doesn't really help. And if you are going to give me a one or a two-star review, you're obviously a depraved individual and may God have mercy on your soul.